I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. In May, four legislators introduced the only bipartisan, bicameral border legislation called the Bipartisan Border Solutions Act to respond to the surge in migrants coming across our southern border. On June 2nd, these four legislators, U.S. Senator John Cornyn, Republican from Texas, U.S. Senator Kirsten Sinema, Democrat from Arizona, U.S. Representative Henry Cuellar, Democrat District 28, and U.S. Representative Tony Gonzalez, Republican District 23, conducted a tour of the McAllen Hidalgo International Bridge, followed by a press conference. Here's Senator John Cornyn. Well, thank you for coming out today. Uh, it's my great pleasure to be back here in the Rio Grande Valley uh, with my friends and colleagues, uh, Henry Cuellar and Tony Gonzalez. Um, and especially to welcome uh, Senator Kirsten Sinema from uh, the great state of Arizona. Our border states have a lot in common, and uh, I was in Tucson with Senator Sinema yesterday to learn a little bit more about what the border region there in Arizona was like, and frankly, it's quite a bit different from the valley. And I'm particularly appreciative that she came here to see uh, what, what life is like here in the Rio Grande Valley, because it is a unique part of our state, and a part of our nation, and um, and obviously we've got some huge challenges. But one of the things that um, Senator Sinema said to me uh, as we were walking out from the meeting we just had with all the stakeholders uh, is what a great community that uh, you have here that's uh, so supportive of one another, that works so well together across party lines uh, to do what's needed for the people of the Rio Grande Valley. And uh, I'm very proud of that, proud of my great long-time partnership with Congressman Cuellar and uh, Congressman Gonzalez is relatively new to the Congress, but I have every every faith that he's going to be a good partner uh, for us on the House side. But perhaps the best evidence that we actually are not just talking but doing something is the legislation that you see uh, that's uh, mentioned here today, the Bipartisan Border Solutions Act. There's a lot of people that talk about the border who've never been to the border. They don't frankly know what they're talking about, but they talk about it anyway and they create an impression of what life must be like here. And particularly when you start asking them, uh, well, what ideas do you have? What solutions do you have for how we can deal with the, the complexity of uh, what's happening at the border? And usually you hear nothing but crickets. Uh, nobody's raising their hand and offering ideas, but we thought it was important working together in a bipartisan and bicameral way in other words, in the Senate and the House, uh, to come up with a solution that we think uh, will contribute to um, contribute to making progress. And uh, I'm very, very glad to be here with uh, all of my colleagues today, but particularly Senator Sinema, who's been a great partner as another border state senator. And let me uh, turn the microphone over to her right now. Senator Sinema. Well, thanks so much, Senator Cornyn. First, I want to say that it's been an absolute pleasure to join Senator Cornyn and my colleagues from the House and all of you in this community to come and visit the RGB. Um, as Senator Cornyn said, he and I have, have spent several days together, both in Arizona and here in Texas, uh, learning more about the challenges that our country faces in the failure of the federal government's um, job to regulate immigration and solve this crisis over most of my lifetime. 
Um, as, as a child of the border, born and raised in Tucson, Arizona, my experience with the border is significant. But it's important to note that the challenges that we face in Arizona are different in some ways, while similar in other ways, to the challenges that the RGB community faces and that all of southern um, Texas faces along its border region. And so one thing I'm really excited about is the work that the four of us can do when we head back to Washington, D.C. to teach our colleagues who may not have been lucky enough to be born or raised in a border state like we have, but who must learn to understand the complexities of the crisis that we face in this country. We seek practical, common-sense solutions that will benefit the communities that we serve here in the United States as well as our partners to the South, Mexico and other countries that uh, we see so many migrants coming to the United States of America. Um, as I heard one of our great Border Patrol agents say today, the president of the Border Patrol Council, say, we all love legal immigration and we do not like illegal immigration. What we attempt to do with our legislation is start a comprehensive conversation about the realistic changes we can make to ensure that people who seek to come to the United States to live the American dream have an ability to do so legally and that we stop the flow of drugs and criminals into our country. Now our piece of legislation is not the end all be all. It will not solve all the challenges that our country faces in the challenge of immigration. But it is a practical step that addresses much of the current crisis we face. And we look forward to garnering support from allies and colleagues on both sides of the aisle as we return to Washington. As Senator Cornyn said, there's not a lot of bipartisanship happening in DC these days. You see a lot of bickering and you don't see a lot of working together. And what I'm incredibly proud of is this group, the four of us who started a bipartisan, bicameral, very practical discussion on how to best help our communities and the communities of those who seek a life in the United States of America. So I couldn't be more proud to be here, and I thank all of our coalition partners and supporters who've devoted so much time to help us learn more today and garner the support we need to get this legislation across the finish line. Thank you. Es un placer estar aquí con ustedes, con el senador John Cornyn, la senadora Krista Sinema de Arizona y mi colega este, en el Comité de Asignación, Tony González. Lo que estamos buscando aquí con nuestros amigos, los líderes de aquí, de la ciudad, del condado, del estado, es hallar un balance. Nosotros todos queremos la seguridad de nuestra frontera, pero al mismo tiempo necesitamos un balance uh, entre el comercio, el turismo. Sabemos que el río Bravo no los divide, pero los une como dos naciones. Y por eso estamos aquí con esta uh, propuesta este, entre demócratas y republicanos, el Senado y la Casa de Diputados para hallar una solución uh, para este, la frontera. La frontera es una parte muy, este, muy segura. Este, sabemos que lo que queremos es ese balance. All we're asking for is balance between commerce, tourism, and security. And this is why we're here in a bipartisan uh, approach. And I certainly want to thank Senator Cornyn, uh, Sen uh, Senator Sinema, and of course my good friend uh, Tony Gonzalez, and of course all the leaders, the city, the county, the private sectors, also the landowners, uh, the state also, so we can uh, provide balance to the approach. Thank you so much for being here. And Frances. You know, uh, America is built on immigrants. 
and we're also a nation of laws. And this sensible piece of legislation tries to tackle both of that. You know, this isn't a new topic for many of us that live and work along the border, but it is a growing crisis that is growing out of control. I'm, I'm very proud to be part of this group, uh, both in the Senate and in the House, that have come together to roll up our sleeves. Look, the easiest thing to do is nothing. There's plenty of people doing nothing, right? The next easiest thing to do is to blame somebody else. And there's plenty of people blaming somebody else. I would argue one of the most difficult things to do is to roll up your sleeves, go to work, and try to find solutions to the problem. This isn't just about the lawmakers that are up here either. Look at this list of organizations that have endorsed this bipartisan uh, legislation and, as, and are working in this space. You've got sheriff associations. You've got the Border Patrol Council. You've got property owners. Uh, you've got, you know, the commerce, you've got the Chamber of Commerce. It is a wide variety of groups that have come together to try to help and start to solve the problem. Because the bottom line, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. What matters is we have to solve this problem before it gets worse. Thank you again for coming today. Questions? Senator Gordon, if you could talk about your thoughts on Governor Abbott declaring the of you know, there's some semantic difference in what people want to call what's happening on the border. Some people call it a crisis. Uh, some people call it a disaster. Um, the fact of the matter is our local border communities are overwhelmed. Our border patrol that, uh, that uh, protect the front lines of our, of our border, 40% of them are working off the border trying to process the volume of migrants that are coming across. They, of course, want to make sure we are compassionate, we take care of, for example, the unaccompanied children. But what that means is when that 40% of the Border Patrol is off the front lines, that the criminal organizations that traffic in human beings and traffic in drugs can move huge volumes of drugs across the border. Last year, last 12 months or so, about 80,000 Americans have died through drug overdoses. Much of the, many of those drugs uh, come across our southwestern border. So I don't care what you call it, uh, but it's not normal. It's not good. It's a bad thing and something we need to fix. And so you can call it a crisis or a disaster, but uh, I think it is it's something we have to attend to. Senator your legislation proposes a special docket to take care of all these cases. But last Friday, the federal administration already announced they are doing a special docket and that they are easing some of the restrictions so that they will allow 250, 300 migrants. Uh, how is your legislation different and what do you propose? Well, I'm, I appreciate the administration uh, taking a look at our proposal and adopting some of the ideas. Uh, in particular, we think it's really important um, to give people who have immigration rights to be able to get in front of a judge and to make present their evidence and make those claims. Right now that's not possible because they are given a notice to appear months and maybe years in the future. This is what our Border Patrol friends call catch and release. It's been shown time and time again to encourage more people to come and not to deter people who don't have legitimate claims. So we simply want to make sure that people who do have legitimate claims, for example, to asylum, can get in front of a judge, make those claims, and uh, come to our country as our laws provide. But for those who do not have 
uh, legitimate claims, they need to be uh, deterred from taking that dangerous journey in the first place. If I could also add to that, an important part, I'm, both uh, Senator Corn and I are attorneys, although recovering. Hmm. Um, and one of the things that's important to know about the, 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 the docket and, and allowing people to get their cases adjudicated more quickly is that when you do that, those who have claims that are valid then receive paperwork that allows them to re remain in the United States forever with a path to citizenship. But if you don't give someone a time to get in front of a judge relatively soon, they may, more than 50%, never appear in front of a judge, which means they never hear their claims, they never get the paperwork to become legal residents or citizens, which means they live the rest of their lives in fear without any proper paperwork and impossible chance of deportation. That doesn't solve their problem. So if someone did leave their country because of fear of persecution or death, they want to get in front of a judge. We want to get that case decided so they can start a new life free from fear. And that's a big part of, of what this process is. And it's great that the administration is taking some parts of our legislation and, it, and putting it together administratively. That makes our job easier, less work for us to pass legislation. And we want the administration to take these actions and implement them right away. Yeah, let me, uh, let me just add to this. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that the administration is taking uh, our idea. It doesn't go far enough uh, because they're looking at bringing cases in 300 days. That's 300 days. We, are, we want to do it earlier than that, and what we need is to add more immigration judges. We've added immigration judges. That's something that the administration has also supported, and we added it. The only thing is we've got to have the judges on the border. Uh, because this is where the cases are at, and we need to get more judges on the uh, on the border. And I'll tell you why. If you have a hundred people that ask for uh, immigration, uh, that is asylum, uh, an immigration judge will grant twelve percent of them, and eighty-eight percent are going to be rejected. So why are we letting folks in when only twelve of them should be told bienvenidos or whatever language uh, they might be uh, using? So uh, as uh, as it's been said, yes. The administration has taken some of our ideas, and I'm glad that they're taking some of the ideas, and hopefully they'll take more of those ideas and uh, implement them. Let me, let, me just, let me just add one thing, uh, because I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to forget to say this, because it's very important to me and I know to the everybody here. This last year has been a tough year for a lot of a lot of people, not just in the United States, but in Mexico and elsewhere. And we've taken extraordinary steps to protect the public health. You've heard of Title 42, which has restricted cross-border traffic to so-called essential trade and other other uh, other traffic. But now more and more of us are getting uh, vaccinated, and I would encourage all of you who are thinking about getting vaccinated and who have not yet been vaccinated, please consider doing so. Uh, you'll be glad you did. But what I'm what I wanted to conclude with is to say that we want our border to be back open again to legitimate trade and traffic. Uh, we, the border communities depend on for the uh, for the for the for the retail businesses that operate here along the region depend on that cross border traffic uh, and the money that are spent by our friends to the south when they come over here to the communities like McAllen. So we, we, want the, uh, we want to do this responsibly. We're asking the administration for a transition plan from this ban on anything other than uh, essential trade and traffic. We want to know how do we transition safely from 
Title 42 back to reopening our border, which is, uh, I believe, safe and open for business. Yes, sir. I have a transition plan. The State Health Department in Tamalipas is doing aggressive Congressman Klingar, get behind my pilot project to Brazil that I've been proposing and will allow visa holders in Matamora to come across the Gateway Bridge to get their vaccination shot. Well, the United States government has done a lot, first of all, foremost, to vaccinate Americans, uh, but then also to offer excess vaccines to our friends and allies around the world, notably India, which has had a particularly difficult uh, problem with the virus. But I think it makes perfect sense for us to use the excess vaccines that we do not need here in the United States to help our friends in Mexico uh, and elsewhere around the world. No, we are not ready for the end of Title 42. And talking to our friends in blue and in green, uh, they for months have been encouraging us to get the administration, both the previous administration and the current administration, to come up with a transition plan. Because the worst thing that could happen is for Title 42 to expire and then without any, any transition plan being put in place, completely disarm uh, the Border Patrol and, uh, and CBP from dealing with the mass of humanity that's sure to come. Uh, if there's one word that I continue to hear from our friends in blue and in green, it's that there needs to be some consequences associated with illegal immigration. Um, we all believe that legal immigration is one of the secrets of our success as a nation, but illegal immigration that's run by criminal organizations that care nothing about the people they're smuggling, who smuggle deadly narcotics that take a lot of lives every year, we simply need to put them out of business. But the fact of the matter is, unless we come up with an alternative plan or a transition plan, it's going to, we're going to see uh, conditions get even worse and perhaps lose control of what's happening at the border. We cannot let that happen. Look, there are... Um, plans to get some of the uh, vaccine diplomacy, if I can use that term. Certainly, we need to use any of the surpluses uh, to be used uh, in, uh, for Mexico and Central America and other places. So there are some efforts to work on that. Uh, there are some efforts. I'll, I think this is public knowledge. Uh, Laredo is a... Um, it will be soon. Uh, it, it will be soon now. It is now done by... Tony. My name is Tony Gonzalez. Uh, so... Uh, you know, Laredo, Laredo's allowing uh, foreign tourism vaccinations. You can fly from Mexico, Mexico City, come in, and they checked it out with the state. So they're doing that. So there's different things that I encourage all the local communities uh, to encourage this. I'll say this. Look at the, uh, well, we had the Secretary of Homeland uh, and Appropriations. Just uh, We asked them questions about the opening of the border. Uh, I did have an opp uh, opportunity to talk to CDC. Uh, talk to the health advisor for the secretary. 
Um, and I think they're working on it, but I think, I think it comes down to a political decision, quite honestly. Uh, and as the senator said, we have to have a plan, because if we don't have a plan ready, it's going to be very difficult. The men and women in, in blue, the men and women in green are going to have a very difficult time if you make changes without having a plan. Let me give you one scenario. Albert, if you will allow me to say this scenario, hypothetical. What would happen if they get rid of Title 42, open up uh, the non-essential, which we want, uh, I want to keep Title 42, uh, and then you get rid of the queuing that we have, the middling in the middle of the bridge, which means that people, instead of being checked over there, can come all the way down over here. Imagine if you have a scenario like that, uh, instead of myself giving you the answer, Talk to our men and women in blue and green and see what happens on that. You have to have a plan. You don't just get rid of something without a plan. I just want, I just want to add real quickly on Title 42. This is uh, Henry Cuellar. So, um, <laughs> You've gotten so tall. Say, say something good, man. Say something good. That's so much better looking. So right, so right now, right now, 40% of Border Patrol are not out in the field. They're in the processing centers. If Title 42 goes away, guess where those Border Patrol agents are going to be? They're going to be in the processing centers. That is dangerous to everybody. My district's 820 miles of Texas and Mexico border. In Del Rio and Eagle Pass in particular, they're, they're, they're at a point, a saturation point, where they're at a catch and release stage. Guess what? That's not good for anybody. It's not good for the migrants. It's not good for the agents. It's not good for the community. There has to be a plan in place when Title 42 goes away, the administration has to have a plan in place. Otherwise, as bad as things are now, things will only spiral out of control. The floodgates will open wide open. And we have to talk about that now, not afterwards, when it's too late. One, one last question. Yes, ma'am. One question, ma'am. Yeah. Part A, part B. Make it a compound question. It's a follow-up to one question. Okay. So, any reaction to the um, boy that was robbed off by smugglers in El Paso? Any reaction to that? For any of the senators? Five-year-old, five-year-old boy. Yes, yeah. Uh, look, uh, my district's just, just in El Paso County. Uh, sadly, we've seen this story over and over again. You know, your five-year-old boy holding a teddy bear, kind of left behind from this group. It's a humanitarian crisis, however you want to look at it. And it's unfair to everybody, including that five-year-old boy you know, that's, that's, that's coming across. And this story is not unique. We have over 20,000 unaccompanied children that have a very similar story. Guess who's tracking them? Part of what this bill does, it tracks the unaccompanied children after they leave. I mean, that's a, an important piece of this legislation as well. We can't forget these children, regardless of their legal status. We can't lose sight of them. Well, just to follow up on this, on this point about unaccompanied children, our legislation ensures that when children are placed with sponsors around the country, that these are individuals who are known to not have criminal records, who are not abusers, so that, the, so that we have more ability to know that these children are in safe circumstances. Right now, we don't have that security. We, we can't track these kids for more than one month after they leave these facilities. We had an opportunity to visit an unaccompanied um, children facility today, which I might add, is being run in conjunction with Chicanos por la Causa, which is an amazing organization. From Arizona. From Arizona. Um, but these children, we saw children who were toddlers, tiny children, who were all alone. 
And to know that when they leave these facilities and get placed with a sponsor on the country, we have no idea what happens to those children after that. And that's one of the dangers that comes from ending Title 42 without a plan in place, is more of these children will be left abandoned and in unsafe situations. Other stops on the legislative tour included the Border Patrol Donna Temporary Processing Center and the Department of Health and Human Services Delphi Emergency Intake Site. The four legislators also met with local elected officials, stakeholders, and law enforcement officials. Some important border organizations that strongly support the proposed Bipartisan Border Solutions Act include the Border Trade Alliance, Texas Border Coalition, and the Rio Grande Valley Partnership. I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service.